Hey guys, this is me, Digimove Today, a Tibuja Ojotui, Jatamechiste Oji, Ivostamuliste Ora. Welcome to a Digimove Today episode. I'm your host, Andrea, and I'm very excited to be here. In this episode, I have Erica Hornthal as my guest. Erica is a licensed clinical professional counselor and board certified dance movement therapist. It is Erica's compassionate nature and gentle person centered approach to therapy that allow her clients to feel supported and validated mind, body, and soul. Erica is the founder and CEO of Chicago Dance Therapy, a group practice founded in 2011. As an expert on the intersection of movement and mental health, Erica has appeared in publications, podcasts, live news, and radio, including WGN, NBC, The Chicago Sun-Times, The Chicago Tribune, BuzzFeed, Bustle, NBC News Better, Reader's Digest, Prevention, and as a columnist for Dance Informa Magazine, 30 Seconds, and Thrive Global. So without further ado, let's just get started. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Andrea. Thanks for having me. So my first question for you is if you can tell me about yourself, who is, who's Erica? Who's the therapy that, that moves everyone? Sure. Um, so I'm Erica Hornthal. I am the founder of Chicago Dance Therapy. I practice locally in the Chicagoland area. Um, I've been practicing dance therapy for about 12 years. I opened my company about nine years ago. And I think at the heart of it, um, I'm a compassionate helper. Um, I like to understand where people are coming from, and I like to help them understand their own behaviors and habits and patterns. And being a dancer from a young age, I really enjoy using movement as a metaphor to help uncover why we do the things we do, why we are the way we are, and ultimately using our movement to help change or create new uh, ways of coping and managing with our lives. That to me is is so it is so interesting, and I want to say thank you again for being here because I know you have two kids at home, and you know you're also a mom and you're doing all the things. So I want to make I want to make sure that um, I want to say thank you very much for for being here again. Yeah. Um, I know you you write also uh, different articles. Um, yeah. You've wrote different different places. I see so many articles about you, and you work with people with dementia with people with Alzheimer's. Um, mm-hmm. And so I want to know a little bit more about that. What's your, what's your favorite kind of population? Who are the, you know, if you have a client and you're like, yeah, this is my favorite client. Do you even have one? Um, so originally, because the work was really kind of hard to come by um, and I wanted to work in my own authentic way, when I created my company, I had already been exposed and working with a lot of people who were um, diagnosed with dementia or different cognitive impairments. So when I ventured out on my own, that was where I started. I already had lots of connections and good networking you know, capabilities in that arena. So I found that I really enjoy working with adults that have some type of cognitive impairment. It, um, it Movement lends itself very naturally to working with those individuals because words are not always easily accessible. When you uh, say cognitive disorders, what do you Mm -hmm. mean exactly for the average population? Sure, so those are typically um, really things that affect your cognition. So that could be your dementias, Alzheimer's, um, some people with Parkinson's Mm -hmm. experience some type of cognitive decline. uh, anybody, maybe stroke, traumatic brain injury, um, CTE or concussion. So anything that's a, uh, affecting cognitive abilities that could be individuals that are born with 
um, some type of cognitive limitation. So, um, you know, there could be people with different sensory processing issues, sometimes um, individuals who have some type of delay or maybe are on the spectrum. Um, yeah, that, that makes encompassing cognitive disorders, but um, anytime to me there is verbal processing or some cognitive limitation, that's kind of the, the population I look into. I know there the Dance Therapy Advocate Summit that is supposed to be in June. <laughs> right, supposed to be. Yeah, I hope, I mean, <laughs> I hope it everything, because with everything going on, we don't know how things are going to work out. Basically, exactly. it's, it's so uncertain. Um, so, but I want to know more about this dance therapy, uh, summit. What, yeah. what, what does it entail? I know people can go into your website, ericahornthal.com and then go into dance therapy advocate summit and they should be able to find all the information. Yeah. So I guess, um, we're finding more and more just being a therapist in the field was that, you know, there were these misconceptions about what movement therapy was. And for a while, you know, I know I'm not the only one in this, creative arts therapists, I think feel this way as well. Um, I was getting so frustrated and upset and oftentimes like even angry about it. And that really wasn't, it was only doing me a disservice. And the more I kind of sat with it, the more I realized or I guess kind of ask myself, like, what could I do to fuel this fire, right? Or this passion, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And for me, it really became about advocacy. You know, I was like, there's no point in being upset and angry. You can take action and do something. So that's really why I've been writing articles and trying to, not just for my own sake, but just to find some representation for our field to put myself out there. So um, I had noticed that a lot of friends and colleagues were just putting together summits and some were online, some were in person. And I thought, wow, there should be a dance therapy summit. You know, there's an annual conference, but that's educational. And I really mm -hmm. wanted something that was more community-based and networking-based and advocacy-based. So I was like, wow, maybe you should create that. <laughs> so on a whim, I basically like created a flyer to put on Facebook and people were really interested. We started getting like international interest and um, dance therapists that I look up to, you know, who have been in the field way more, way longer than I have, were intrigued about it, wanted to present and were asking questions. And um, so that's really how it was born. It was kind of just this out of my own needs, looking for what I wanted to see and thought, okay, maybe I should be the change I want to see in the world. So um, the idea is we come together to inspire, to connect, and to empower each other. And it's not necessarily based on education per se, although that is a component. It's really about thinking out of the box and um, venting difficulties and frustrations that we may have, but also uplifting each other and giving each other ideas on how we can really move this profession into the into the new millennium. I mean, it's been around for over 60 years and yet not a lot is known about it but there is a huge interest in the body and how it operates in regard to psychotherapy and so I keep saying our time is now we have to take advantage of this but so many of us are afraid or unsure not really knowing what that looks like so what better to do than to come together and 
create brainstorming sessions about it. So um, I don't know if I would say I enjoy reading research papers. It depends how they're written because sometimes mm-hmm. they're very wordy and very complicated. Uh, complicated. There's a good word, complicated. But um, it's, it's definitely necessary so that when we're educating people, we can talk from an educated perspective, you know, and give people an idea that we're not making this up. It's not, it's not just qualitative. There are quantitative uh, studies out there. And, you know, it has shortcomings just because a lot of it is in the moment and how we feel about something. And that's very hard to write up, right? It's very hard to replicate. Um, but counseling and therapy has been doing that for years. So, you know, even though a lot of it is about the process and the therapeutic relationship, there are many ways that we can qualify how movement therapy helps our patients and, you know, and quantify how it helps them as well. Thank you very much for your answer, Erica. I mean, you're kind of preaching to the choir. So like, I I do believe in that. I've read a lot of articles, um, well, papers, actually studies in um, there's, they call, they call it sometimes movement to music. They call it, it just, it could be dance. The only mm-hmm. problem that I've seen with it, this is just my opinion, is the, the sample size. Yeah. Sometimes it's too small. So it doesn't make the pa- the study so powerful. Right. But I, I mean, there's yeah. so many things out there that even show right. that movement exercise can more do so many things done, right yeah or, you know, uh, conclusions cannot be drawn at this moment, you know so yeah movement therapy came out of a need for just expression so when when you know extremely mentally ill individuals were not when when doctors weren't really seeing any changes in them um basically they started bringing in dancers choreographers to help work with these people just just to express themselves just to help them move and um amazing magical things started to take place psychotropic medication usage goes down symptoms reduce um you know would I say people are magically healed no but they're able to cope and manage with their circumstances and that's a big deal for somebody that's living with debilitating mental illness so um so yeah, if people are interested, the research is out there. You know, it's not super easy to find, but if you know where to look, you can find a lot of it. Yeah, it would be very good to, I'm just thinking right now, since you have this, the Dance Therapy Advocate Summit, mm-hmm. it would be nice to come up with, um, maybe in my spare time, if I have the chance to come up with like articles that show that dance movement or dance movement therapy or just um, movement in general helps people. Um, just because I see that what you're starting right now, it's it's really great. I mean, I, I do believe in it. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks. No, um, uh, for myself, too, actually, there are so many colleagues of mine that have wonderful resources. Like, they've taken the time to put together hundreds of articles. So, you know, kind of tapping into those resources, I think, would be ideal. What I find is not that new research isn't valid and isn't, you know, continuing to being to be produced, but to me, a lot of the wonderful articles came out of like the 70s and the 80s. So, you know, sometimes people see that as a shortcoming because, you know, we think, well, nothing good has come out since then. Well, that's not true. But um, some of what we really look to and how we explain to society and, and just other medical professionals 
are explained so well in these earlier articles. So, you know, it was like when people were really first getting into the work and trying to to spread the word, um, they just so eloquently put it into papers. So those to me are the articles that I would love to continue to get out and kind of, um, I hate to say it this way, but like dredge up, right? Because they're in books in libraries that sadly people don't venture out to to see. We look for things online and those articles aren't always available in those archives. So, or they're hard to track down. Um, Um, Yeah. But I think for people to also recognize too that just because there are studies on dance and exercise doesn't make it movement therapy. So really looking for articles that focus on dance and or movement therapy that are actually studies produced by people with credentials in dance movement therapy. Um, it's a lot easier to find articles just on dance or physiotherapy or um, physical therapy or exercise or yoga or dance as therapy as opposed to dance therapy. So even figuring out the difference and understanding the value of each, but again, the difference in both is really important when looking for research as well. Nice. Thank you again for your answer. So I have two more questions for you um, because I want to be very mindful of your time. So my first question is, uh, did you move today? (laughs) I did move today. (laughs) Um, I preach to my clients that movement is not a certain regimen or exercise. We have to look for the ways that we're moving all the time. So, you know, I always say like, I ask my clients, how did you get here? Like, how did you move to get to your session today? Um, You know, woke up, blinked, breathed, walked, drove, brushed my teeth, brushed my hair. So yes, I did all of those things. I definitely moved today. Great. And my last question is, what's movement for you? Movement for me is expression. I mean, at the heart of it, that's what it is. It's like, a part of me, a very authentic, real part of me that can't be denied. And it's something that taps into my own creative process and my own creative being. So without movement, I myself feel stifled. I start to lack creativity and have to remind myself that if I'm not moving for me, it does have negative effects on my mental health. Thank you very much, Erica. Where can we find you online? Um, so I have a website, as you mentioned, ericahornthal.com. Um, and if you're more interested in just sessions or working with my company, you can also go to chicagodancetherapy.com. Um, and I'm on Facebook and social media. Just, you know, look look for my name, Erica, the C. Hornthal is H-O-R-N-T-H-A-L. Um, and like you mentioned, I, uh, I write articles on a regular basis. I enjoy being quoted in articles. So just kind of doing a Google search. 